Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Now, some of us have put certain people in a box. And we looked at our neighbor, we looked at people at work with their lifestyle, we looked at people on the street walking out and go, hmm, I don't think so. But you're wrong. Anybody can come. Don't ever scratch out anybody. Aren't you glad somebody didn't scratch you out? Now, looking at you, where you came from, many people probably thought, there's not a chance God can ever change that person. But nothing's impossible with God. Pastor Mark will share with us today that as Christ followers, we're called to be disciples. He'll explain to us that a disciple is a learner, under discipline. You see, when we come to faith in Jesus, our walk doesn't stop there. It's really only the beginning. After that prayer of salvation, we don't automatically reach a state of all knowledge and understanding. What we must realize is that when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we start out as infants in the faith. We need to be fed this simple and easy-to-digest milk of the Word, the basic principles. Then, as we ingest those and apply them to our lives, we'll mature. This is all part of training and discipleship. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 34, with part one of our message entitled, The Christian's Cross. Jesus is teaching, and he has just taught his disciples that he's headed to the cross. Peter said, no, you're not. And Jesus said, yes, I am. Get behind me, Peter. And then Jesus is going to spend, and he's going to really do this. He's going to say, guys, you've been following me. And the crowds have been following me. You kind of have an idea in your mind what it is to be a disciple, but you don't have the whole picture. So Jesus this morning is going to define for us the three requirements to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to remember as we go through this, this is not three requirements from Calvary Chapel, First Baptist, Covenant Press, New Covenant. This is three requirements that Jesus Christ gives. They never change. They've always been the same. But many of us have never really heard them. Now, as we go through this, I believe this is, we're going to define for you, as Jesus does, what discipleship, how it's defined. And this is kind of a self-test for you. At the end of today's teaching, you ought to be able to look back in your life and say, do I have these three things? Now, some of you aren't even a disciple, period. Some of you are Christians, but you're not really a disciple. And one of the questions I'm going to leave you with, I'm not going to answer it, I'm going to leave you with it. Can you be a Christian and not a disciple? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I think about it as we go through. Because Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you must do these three things. Not me, Jesus. Now, I have a simple definition of a disciple. You know it if you've been coming here at all. It's a learner under discipline. A learner under discipline. Let's look at chapter 8 of the book of Mark in verse 34 and see what Jesus says. He says to them, 
Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now it's really interesting to me that Jesus here is talking to not only his 12 disciples, but look up in verse 34, he called the crowd to him. So there's this massive crowd that's been following Jesus. And he says to them, come a little closer. And we're going to use it as you guys this morning. He says, comes a little closer. He says, now I want you to listen up. I'm going to tell you some things that are very important. You see, if we look at Jesus' ministry and we see the word crowd, we probably say something like this. Wow, successful ministry, Jesus. Look at the people that are following you. What a great, successful ministry. Really? I don't think so. That's why Jesus is saying this. You see, when you look at this church or churches in general in the United States, you look at your own life, we equate a healthy church in numbers. What do you mean, Pastor Mark? Well, think about it. Man, this church here must be healthy. Look at all the people that are coming week in and week out. I mean, the parking lot is full. It, it, this must be a healthy church. Really? Is it? Does that mean because there's numbers that this church is healthy and successful? Maybe the church you come from, you're just visiting today. Your church has got lots of services. Does it mean it's healthy because of numbers? Not necessarily. Well, Pastor Mark, I mean, here lots of people come forward and get saved. That must mean this church is healthy. Really? Where are some of them a week after they get saved? Did they really get saved? Is this really health? So, see, to equate a church in numbers to health is not necessarily true by any means. Let's come down to your life and my life. Well, I'm a pretty healthy Christian. What do you mean by that? Well, look at my numbers. What do you mean by that? Well, I've been saved 54 years. Does that mean you're a healthy Christian? Not necessarily. In fact, many people who've been saved for a long time, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, they're still on milk. In effect, if you're here today, you're going to have a real difficult time with this teaching because Jesus is going to give you some definitions and you're not going to like it. Well, I've gone through the Bible. I can quote the Bible. I can list the Bible for you. I know the books in order. And I can you go to any passage and I can quote it for you. Numbers. Does that mean good? Well, maybe. But it's not how many times you've been through the Bible. It's how many times the Bible's been through you. Is there a difference? Oh, big difference. Well, I come to a lot of church services and I give a lot of money. So I'm healthy as a Christian. Is that true? Not really. Now, all of these things are good. I love the church being full of people, of parking lots, lots of services, lots of money. You as an individual coming, Christian, but it doesn't necessarily mean healthy. And what Jesus is trying to say here, these things are important, numbers are important, but he looks to the crowd and he says to the crowd, um, really, even though there's masses, most of you, listen, most of you are here for the wrong reason. You've been following me because you like the miracles. You like the excitement. You like the food. But he says, I'm going to tell you what it's going to require for you to be a true disciple. And when Jesus does this, the other gospels, especially the book of John, when he gives this teaching that I'm giving you this morning, many people never follow again. Why? Well, we'll see. 
as he goes through. So let's see what the requirements are. Remember, this is kind of a self-test for you and for me this morning. Here's what he says. If anyone would come after me. You see, to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, always involves choice. Now, we have some people in some churches, and I've been through it earlier in my life, when you come to a church and you have a neighbor or a friend or you want somebody to get saved, and you force them down the aisle. You, and I've been in services where this has happened. I don't know. You, you don't remember this. We just, you're, I know God's been speaking to me. You need to be saved today. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I've been way, and by the way, we don't do that here, so just relax. But I've been in churches where I've seen that, wait, you know, 30 years ago. Now, could that happen? Yes. But how should that person really come on their own choice? See, if you drag somebody to the altar because of your friend or neighbor or worker, co-worker, whatever, they'll not get saved because of that at all. That's totally wrong. So Jesus says to all the people, hey, if you want to come, it's your choice. And that's why we always give a choice, because life is filled with choices. Then he says something very important. He says, if anyone would come after me. What does anyone mean? It means it doesn't matter what your IQ is. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, what kind of money you have, where you come from, what your background is, whether you've been on drugs, whether you're serving Satan, whether you've been a quote, perfect citizen all your life, whether you've been a church member, it doesn't matter who you are. Anyone can come. Isn't that good news this morning? Now, some of us have put certain people in a box. And we looked at our neighbor. We looked at people at work with their lifestyle. We looked at people on the street walking out and go, hmm, I don't think so. But you're wrong. Anybody can come. Don't ever scratch out anybody. Aren't you glad somebody didn't scratch you out? Now, looking at you, where you came from, many people probably thought, there's not a chance God can never change that person, but nothing's impossible with God. So we have two things already. Now we're going to get into the requirements. Let's look at verse 34. Then he called a crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Notice the word in there that bothers us. It's called deny. Now, that's the first requirement. Now, many people confuse this self-denial with some kind of asceticism. In other words, this, and you've seen them. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you can't be happy. You must put on drab clothing. No makeup, please. No earrings, no nose rings, no whatever rings. Make sure there isn't any ring in your life. <laughs> and you just plod to your life. I'm a servant of God's. I'm holy. And there's no joy. You know, we have these people, they're going to go to a mountain, they're going to separate themselves, they're getting away from all of life. Mm. And that's denial. Well, it is. It's denial of real life, but it isn't what Jesus is talking about here at all. Now, secondly, when you think about what he's saying here, he's saying this. Self-denial is not denial of something to the self, but the denial of self itself. Jesus simply says, deny, not a hot foot Sunday, not liver, but deny yourself. It's the taking of me, the number one person, 
my desires and quit living for my own desires. Now, the problem this morning is not things. The problem is me. Got it? My desires, my will, my wishes. Now, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You see, the world says to us this morning, numero uno, look out for you, pamper yourself, take care of yourself, look after yourself. But Paul says, no, there's a different way. When you deny yourself, there's a reason that you deny yourself. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Paul says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God. Here's the important part that Paul's trying to teach. He understood this principle. He says this, You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. So Paul is understanding what this denying of self means, and let me preface it with a little illustration. Before you came to Jesus Christ, if you're not a Christian this morning, some of you aren't, and that's fine, that we're glad you're here. You're in the kingdom of Satan. You said, wait a minute, say, say what? I'm not a Satan worshiper. Well, you are, but you don't even know you are. Because there's only two kingdoms today. There's the kingdom of Satan, and there's the kingdom of God. Before I became a Christian, because all people are sinners, we are in the kingdom of Satan. Now, I believe I'm serving self, and I am in a way, but really I'm responding to Satan's design of my life, even though I don't realize it. That's why he's got me blinded. So I'm over here in the world of kingdom, in the kingdom of Satan, doing my thing. When I accept Jesus Christ because of his work on the cross and, and I come over here, there's another kingdom I come to. It's called the kingdom of God. Now, there is no place where you straddle the fence. Some of you say, well, I got one foot in the world and I got... No, you don't. There is no such thing. You're either in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. The Bible says you're either for me or against me. So now when I come over here, I had some rights, I thought, over here. I really don't have any rights. I think I have rights, but I'm blinded to it because the Word says I'm in bondage to Satan. So when I move over here to Jesus Christ, according to some people in some churches, if you come over here, all your problems solve, you can live life the way you want it and everything's That's wrong. When you come over here, what does Paul say? Paul says, when I move over to the kingdom of God and accept Jesus Christ in my life, number one, my sins are gone, but then the Holy Spirit comes and lives in me. And then this body is whose? It's God's. My body is not my own. So that doesn't mean, mm, follow God like robot, no, no might. That doesn't mean that at all. It just means that I didn't pay for my salvation. I couldn't have. To me, it was free. Free is a gift. Jesus paid for it on the cross. But with that, I exchanged the bondage which I didn't really know, and I think I'm living for myself, but now Paul says you're over here, and your body isn't your own. So who am I supposed to be serving? I'm in the kingdom of who over here? God. And in a kingdom, who rules? The king rules. So this shouldn't be hard for you. Let's see, put it together now. Kingdom of God, who rules in the kingdom of God? Say it with a little zip. God rules! You don't rule in the kingdom of God. God rules. So in this kingdom, then when I'm in the kingdom of God, there's two things I deny. I deny, number one, 
my own self, that I own myself. I don't own myself. God owns me. And secondly, I deny that I can run my own life. Now that brings us right into the second requirement. That's the first requirement, deny. Secondly, Jesus says he must deny himself and take up his cross. Now already, I don't like these first two. I don't like the word deny, and I'm not sure about the word cross. What do you mean, take up his cross? Well, I believe a Christian cross, what he's really talking about there, is the big I, me, crossed out. You got it? In other words, my will is crossed out. It's just crossed out. And you can take it however you like, but it means when I come to Jesus Christ, my life is not my own, and that means my will and my desire is given over, deferred to God. So God rules, I don't rule. So in every situation of life, it involves death to me, the big I. You know, the simplest definition of sin is I will. That's what Satan said. His seven I wills and caused him to be cast out of heaven. So this morning we have this death to self. Now what does that mean? Well, most people who come to Jesus Christ are looking for a comfortable lifestyle. They have a comfort zone in their life of things that they do with their time and with their money and with their children and the families or if they're single, whatever. And they've got this zone that they're in and it's pretty comfortable. We have our time sell out, we have our beeper at home and we just flip through the channels and we're going through life. Now, when you came to Christ, probably somebody said you have eternal salvation. So when you're here in church, here's the kind of thing you're thinking about. Well, I have my ticket to heaven. It's my fire insurance. And uh, I'll drop by and say hi to you once in a while in church. But really, don't bug me because I'm already going to heaven and I'm comfortable where I'm living. You see, I believe most people want to come to God on their terms. That's the kind of society we live in today. Modern seekers, maybe you're a seeker today, you know your life's empty and guilty and you just, you just don't have any peace. You say, well, these people are lined up at this church, maybe there's something I can find here. And we're taught, in fact, we're even taught today, we have a lot of churches, Bill Hybels and whatever, you know, they're, they're seeker quote sensitive. And I think it's okay in some of those areas to be seeker sensitive as long as you don't dilute the Bible to make it so that people are comfortable sitting in their sin. Because see, Jesus is going to say to some guys that are sitting in their chairs, Hello! These are requirements if you want to follow me. Now, in our day and age, we don't want to hear requirements. Are these options? No, they're not. So what is he saying? Well, what we would say is something like this. I want a religion that feels good, but I want it to be hassle-free. In other words, I want Christianity to be a la carte. I will pick and choose for myself, for my family, what we like. So we're going to give this church a try today. Hey, it's pretty cool. Nice building. They don't hype me about money. Chairs are comfortable. They seem to take care of the kids here. There's some organization. That's good. I like it. Is there any pastoral care if I have a problem? Yeah, sure there is. We'll come and counsel you and help you. Good. Now don't teach about the hard things in the Bible. I'll take the good parts, but if you start talking about discipleship or denying or taking up my cross, I'm finding another church. And you know what Jesus says to them? You have to listen to this. 
he says, goodbye, because they'll never find what they're looking for. You see, Jesus came to disturb our comfort zone. Many people today, and maybe it's you, have come into this service and you said, what am I going to get out of it? You want the benefits quote of religion, but you don't want to change your lifestyle. You see, you don't mind following Jesus as step number three, but don't give me those first two things you just talked about. Denying myself, taking up my cross. I'm not interested in that. We go to church to worship God. And yes, you can worship in a boat, but he's designed us to worship together. Take an old charcoal fire, and all the briquettes are just glowing and they're warm. And they're, you know, that wonderful steak you're going to have this afternoon is just getting ready for it. And take one of the coals and move it to the side, away from all the rest. In a short period of time, what do you have? You got a nice hot fire, but you got one cold coal. It's exactly what happens in church. God designed it for us to come in together, and somehow as we're worshiping Him, what happens? We kind of rub off on each other, and we kind of get warm, and neat things happen, and you see a person encouraging you, and they worship God, and you're worshiping God, and when we leave, we're kind of on fire for God. Well, that's why He designed it. So if you're going to sit home and go, have to go to church, do you know what you are? You're just cold. And you don't have any zip in your life. And Satan comes in and goes, great. You see, because when we come to church, the focus of the world, by the way, in our television today, you, you need to be very careful watching television today. See, we used to talk about R-rated and X-rated movies. The television is garbage most of it today. Careful what you allow your kids to watch. So we sit here and we'll just put the beeper on instead of going to church tonight, or going to church during the midweek, have a small group, even Sunday morning, we sit and flip this thing on. Do you know what it's doing to your mind? It's focusing you in the kingdom of Satan. So we come here to hear the word of God to focus us to the kingdom of God, because they're diametrically opposed. And that's why you're here today. You have to go to church today. <laughs> now, turn to Galatians 2.20, quick. Now, Paul's going to tell us because he understood what taking up the cross meant. Often we don't. So here's what he says in Galatians 2.20. This is actually the believer's cross or the believer's crucifixion. This verse is. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. And I no longer live. So does that mean Paul was one of the guys hanging on the cross with Jesus? No. He's talking spiritually. But Christ lives in me. And the life I live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's what your cross is. This is what Paul says. Paul says this. God's will in my life. When God's will crosses out my will, God rules. That's all the cross is. In other words... This is your will. This is your desire in life. This is your plan for your life, and it matches the world. But when God comes, He says, No, I have a better plan for your life. And here's my plan. One of the most recited verses in all of Scripture can be found in the Gospel of John. It states, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This verse clearly spells out the fact that God loves the world. It's His desire that no one would perish, 
but that all would come to him with a humble heart of repentance. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will give us an exhortation to follow Jesus. But what does that look like? Does it mean that we go to church, speak Christianese, tithe, and maybe even volunteer our time? Well, not necessarily. Following Jesus means that we walk as He walked. We follow His example. And how did He walk? He obeyed the commandments of His Father. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living.